It's crazy how time flies, especially when you're not having fun. It's been seven months since life as we know it has turned upside down. You're not gonna believe what I'm about to say.、Mm. I kinda miss my commute to work. Kinda miss those tight knit subway rides. Said no one ever. But really though, I really miss it. Maybe a little. And I. And, and you're definitely not gonna believe this. And I kinda sorta miss people. Like, do you?、Uh, I, I kinda do, I think. And, and this probably explains why I've started talking to myself more often than I already did. Look, although, although I need some expert advice, sometimes I speak to myself. But aside that. <laughs> I'm Syra, and welcome to the Catalyzer, where we initiate everyday relatable topics. Being mostly trapped at home or in the indoors for the last seven months surely does bring some challenges to our mental stability and happiness. We're still going through tough times. We're in a state of mental, emotional, physical, and economical exhaustion. And I'm just thankful, thankful every day for the well being of my loved ones and myself. Well, the good news is we have survived the new norm for seven months already. And the other news is that there's likely another seven months or more to go before we can resume life as we knew it. And so, to make your next seven months of quarantine slightly better for you, I have with me today Catalina, the healer, who will help us identify ways we can retain mental happiness and stability during these tough times. All right, well, thank you, Catalina. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. So, Catalina, we met through a mutual friend as I was looking for someone, you know, who. Works within the field of、uh, therapy and well being, and she introduced me to you. So, I don't, I personally don't know much about you, and neither does our listeners. So, do you mind giving us a quick background of what you are, what you do, and then we'll dive right into the great old practices of how people can stay sane during、uh, you know,、uh, the times of corona? Okay.、Um, well, then、uh, again, thank you for having me, Sarah. It's an honor.、Um, first time in the podcast, so. I stutter. Sorry, guys. So, a little background on me. My name is Catalina. I am a licensed associate marriage and family therapist.、Um, so, I recently graduated from King University and I,、um, I obtained my licensure shortly after.、Um, so, I've been in the mental health field for about, you know, along with interning, schooling, for about,、uh, let's just say, four to five years. Um, and I don't know, I've always had a niche with wanting to help others.、Um, and prior to that, I was in the special needs education,、uh, you know, providing ABA services、um, and special needs、uh, education to those、uh, on the spectrum. So,、uh, all, all along the same theme of helping others. So, yeah. Right. And which is why we call you the healer. 
healer. Cat, cat the healer. Cat the healer. We like that. We like that a lot. So, you know, we're in an unprecedented time, right? I mean, I've never experienced something like this in my life before. And the last seven months, it's been quite something. Like, I don't, I don't think I've spent this much time, you know, with myself uh, any time before this. Although initially I appreciated the slowdown, but as, you know, time went on, I realized that, you know, so much of my mental state and state of contentment stimulated from like daily activities, like seeing people at work, feeding off of others' energy, grabbing a drink or a bite after work, you know, even even jokes. I feel like they don't feel the same, you know, like the being in person and you know, kidding around with the coworker is so much different than saying something over the phone. It It definitely doesn't feel the same. So... And uh, especially with like the winter coming in and the second wave of Corona coming in, um, you know, uh, it'll it'll force us to stay more indoors. And and again, going back into uh, isolation. Right. So our and then and, and I'm sure this is something that you've noticed, you know, that people's mental health has been impacted by this sort of isolation because uh, I don't, I, I think humanly, it's, we're not meant for such isolation. So, are you are you seeing any patterns in how like the quarantine um, or the pandemic has impacted people's mental state? You know, whether it be negative or positive. So, absolutely, there I have seen a broad spectrum of both. Um, well, and I'm going to be honest, I've seen more on the negative side as opposed to the positive side. Um, but that just goes to show that, you know, humans innately, we want that, that, that connection with other people, right. whether it be, whether it be for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is. And to just go outside and experience other people around you, even, even though you may not be interacting with them per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a definite shift in, in more of the negative, more for the mental state too. Um, so what I've personally seen, I've seen, uh, working class people that had a typical nine to five job and had a, a typical, uh, so I, typical work, working class people, nine to five, they have a routine going and then all of a sudden it's, it's put to a halt. So the world, uh, ultimately stopped and that's taken a toll on a lot of people. Right. Um, a lot of my clients have come to me with a lot of anxiety because of the uncertainty surrounding that of Mm -hmm. not knowing when this is going to clear up of not knowing when the sense of normalcy will return right um and had had to reframe their train of thought on that meaning like having to kind of highlight the benefits you know as tough as it may be in the situation so an example could be of you know perhaps the the working class individual didn't really have much time with their family Right. Because they were so focused on, okay, I have to do this, I have to do this, so I can provide, blah, blah, blah. But now, being able to work from home, they get to see their family more. Not in the way they would like to, but at least they get to have that presence around. So, highlighting those little, you know, the little benefits of that. Um, But yeah, it's taken a turn in what I've seen, a lot of uh, the pattern of the uncertainty and not being able to go back to their routine or or having their routine again. Right. Um, And then on the positive, right? 
visual that they're like, oh, I love this. I hate being around people. <laughs> I, 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 I don't like going out. I only do it because I have to. This quarantine working from home is beautiful. I get to spend time the way I want to spend it. There's so much flexibility. I get to catch up on things that need to get home, like need to get done at home. So I've seen it both. I've seen both ends of the spectrum. Right, and right. It's, to me, it's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's one of the ways. Yeah. I mean, I I flip between the spectrums. Honestly, I feel like initially I was like, this is great. You know, I don't have to go to work. Like, I don't have to go be at work physically. I have so much time that I can save during the commute. Um, you know, this is great. But I feel like as as time's going on, I'm like, you know what? I kind of miss my subway rides. Like, said no one ever, but I kind of do. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I miss going into work. I miss sitting in an office. But at the same time, I'm also very thankful for, you know, so the honeymoon stage, exactly, the honeymoon stage definitely did wear off, but hey, some people are still enjoying it, I know a lot of my friends, they're like, I could never see myself going back to the office, um, so also, also a time where, you know, you really find out who's an extrovert, extrovert versus who's an introvert, um, so I'm somewhere in the middle, I keep flipping back and forth, but you know, so Catalina, you said that you know there you've definitely noticed more negative trends. You know, but, and and that's more so expected, right? So many people lost their job or their routine, or you know, uh, things aren't really aligned as to what they have the new life uh, to be. So, what do you suggest, right? What are some? And maybe I think you hit on it already to a certain extent. Uh, but like, what are you know some of the mindful practices that we can do? to help bring our mental state back to sort of that equilibrium um, so we don't get stuck into that negative emotions, right? And um, especially because a lot of people during, for the, uh, due to the pandemic um, have either suffered some sort of pain of pain of their um, losing a loved ones or even some sort of failure if they were expecting something to work out in their career or if they were looking forward to a plan and it all fell through or even losing a job now now maybe sets them back. So what could we do mindfully or, or practice some sort of mindfulness through which we can center ourselves? Mm-hmm. So I have one word that I use very often mm-hmm. with all my clients. Awareness. Giving space for that awareness. It's so crucial and it sounds so simple but it's not because in this time when the pandemic hit everyone was at a very high state of arousal mm-hmm. so when you're in that high state of arousal you're in that fight or flight mo- moment that adrenaline is going that your thoughts are racing your mind is it, it, it's, it's compacted with intrusive thoughts negative thoughts of saying okay what if i lose my job what if, you know, I lost my job? What if I lose my house? Or what if I can't provide for my children? What if I can't do this? What if I, all these what ifs, right? Not allow, allowing, person not allowing themselves to kind of take, take a minute so they can regain their center. So I do a lot of these practices with my clients. Um, and it's, it's a simple acronym. It's called STOP. So S stands for STOP. T stands for take a breath, um, O stands for observe your feelings, and, t- and P stands for proceed. <clears throat> so one example for this would be, 
stopping the moment, taking a couple of breaths, right? Taking those deep breaths to, act, to activate the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is um, within the diaphragm of, of your body. And once it's activated, it kind of alleviates a lot of stress, a lot of the, the stress hormones. Mm-hmm. Once that, once you're, you're finding your breath, kind of like meditation or if you were doing yoga, um, observe what you're feeling in the moment. Allow space for that. Allow the, you know, give yourself that moment to acknowledge that you're feeling upset, that you that you're uncertain of what can come, and sit with it. You know, it, it sounds so cliche, but the best way to kind of overcome a, a tough, difficult situation is to sit with it, and sitting with the uncomfortable to learn how to proceed moving forward. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, I think things are cliche because there's a lot of truth to it. And because there's a lot of truth to it, people tend to uh, say it more and more. And that's why it becomes a cliche. But but it's only said so many times because there's so much truth to it. And when you say sit with it, uh, do you mean like sit with it so you can process it, take it in? Sit with it, process it. So you can sit with it in many different ways. Um, so another one that, along with the STOP acronym, I use um, a sense of grounding techniques. Mm-hmm. So these grounding techniques incorporate your five senses. So bringing on that full body awareness, not only your mental awareness, that heightened state, but bringing your body awareness. What does your body feel when you're, when you're at that state of arousal? And then what does it feel afterward when you reach that center? Can you feel that? So one of the ways I do it, I incorporate the five senses, like I said before. So the five senses of, you know, sight, touch, taste, hear, and scent. Did I mention all of them? I think I did. Um, (laughs) um, So, for example, um, you know, listing five things that you can see using your, your current environment, right? And while you're listing the five things that you can see, identifying those items, looking into the very intricate details, right? So in that moment, what that activity does, it kind of takes you out of your current um, and it brings you back into a state of calm. It kind of distracts you for a moment Mm -hmm. so that you can reach that level of calmness to then attack it again, like to revisit it with a a level mind, if that makes sense. and then it goes on to, you know, your sense of touch. What does it feel like? What does your body feel? What's, what do your clothes feel like on you? Is it soft? Is it comforting? Um, going into this, uh, the sense of smell. If you have a certain cologne or if you smell a, um, you know, a certain flower or a candle, does it bring you comfort? Does it bring you a fond memory? What's that like? And using that, that sense of calm to kind of tackle what's going on in the present. It essentially, it brings you into the present, being more aware of your present. Right. So are we saying that um, being aware of these five senses, you can tell that your mental state is heightened than what it would be uh, otherwise if you're not centered. And, and, and so if, if you're self-aware, 
you'd be not only aware of your mental state, but your physical state because they're they're connected, right? So, for example, if I'm really anxious about something, my heart probably would would be 10 times faster than it generally is when I'm centered and I'm at peace and I'm, I'm in my elements. So knowing that, right, feeling that, okay, I'm definitely, like, physically I'm feeling anxious, what should I do to keep, bring myself to a center? So yeah, being, uh, being able to identify how your mental, you know, when you're on a, under a mental stress, your physical, you know, dynamics changes too. It's, it's a good way to identify that, you know, you are mentally stressed at the moment and, you know, then you, then you can practice how to center yourself, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, most definitely. So, you know, pandemic or not, uh, can you emphasize the uh, importance of mental health and the benefit it comes with seeking from it? Mm-hmm. So the, the benefit of mental health, you know, just like, you know, that saying, you know, keep active is good for your body, your overall physical health, your your physical health is healthy. You know, it, it's beneficial, right, to keep in track with it. Why not mental health, right? So I think that there's different categories in, in maintaining your mental health. So there's maintaining a mental health within the work field, maintaining the mental health within, um, within home, maintaining the mental health within school. There's different levels. Um, so for example, for maintaining a mental health, uh, your mental health at work, you know, what helps with that or what can aid in that is having a, a leader or having management that are, that is aware of you know mental health or, or having a mindfulness uh, having a mindful leader you know because it what it does overall and let me look at my notes because you know i take notes absolutely <laughs> what it does it helps produce uh, productivity mm-hmm. right? it boosts the morale within the work colleagues it fosters a sense of belonging because if you feel that your manager or your, um, you know, the, the upper, you know, the upper people that are, are managing everyone can, you know, take a moment to empathize with you, take a moment to kind of sit down with you and acknowledge, hey, I noticed that something may be going on with you or you're not performing up to par. What's going on? Instead of just reprimanding the issue, right? Um, it gives the employees a sense of like, wow, my boss cares about me, my boss, you know, and therefore it will kind of, um, you know, behavior modification, it kind of reinforces that, that, that positive, um, you know, it reinforces the, the individual to work harder or to continue working. And then overall, it minimizes stress, you know, minimizes stress in the work field and it strengthens the work relationships, like I said before. And it fosters empathy and that's something that you know a lot of individuals seek to kind of get that overall belonging you know and then with maintaining mental health at home right you want to be present with your family members whether it be with a a spouse um, whether it be with your children if you don't have a, a good sense of your mental health right how can you be present with them how can you Mm-hmm. be there for them or help them the way they need to be helped if you can't if you're not helping yourself right so 
Yep. No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, being present, you know, being at an, at an ease with yourself mentally, right? It, it not only brings benefit to you directly, but to everyone surrounding you, right? Your productivity level is much better than what it would be if you aren't satisfied internally, right? So yeah, mo- most, most definitely. Um, you know, there, there are so many benefits to being mentally healthy, and I feel like we as a society, we know it, but we don't acknowledge it. And so there's so much negative, uh, you know, there are so much uh, negative stigma that, that surrounds asking for mental health, right? And mental uh, help for mental health. So why do you, one, why do you think there is so much negative stigma around asking for mental health? um uh asking help for mental health and uh, how do you think we can we can navigate away from that and and be at a at a at a place in society where we can normalize talking about mental health and asking for help when needed okay so to go on to the first question you know why do you think it's so hard for us to ask help right well personally what i've seen with my clients, um, a lot of them had shared with me that they've been thinking about seeking therapy for a while, and they found it difficult to kind of pull the trigger, so you say, or, or you know, initiate the first session, right? Um, due to fear, mm-hmm. due to fear of being judged mm-hmm. by their family members, mm-hmm. of if they were to learn about them seeking a m- mental health professional. Um, fear of what they will look like after of what they will look like in their neighborhood fear what they will look like in their culture so I think all of those play a role you know they play an important part as to what may influence an individual to not seek mental health um and there's this there's this idea that surrounds mental health that oh if you're seeking a mental health professional there must be something wrong with you, or or there must be uh, a dire need for it. No, mental health doesn't always involve someone being severely uh, impacted, right? Mm-hmm. It can be it can be an individual that just wants to learn about, you know, their family history or gain insight or learn about themselves more, or it can be someone that doesn't know how to talk to their family members or loved ones, right? Can't, doesn't know how to express themselves to them, so they try to find an outsource. Um, you know, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be severe, right? I mean, there are levels of severity. Um, and then the next question, how of, you know, how negative stigma um, around therapy and mental health originated? Like I said before, it, it originated and may have originated from culture, from your neighborhood, from your peers, how they see it. It may influence you, you know, yeah. and it, it may put you in a position where you don't feel comfortable sharing with them that, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about seeking uh, professional help because there's some issues that I can't really figure out on my own and I need further assistance, I need further support. They're, they're afraid of what they what others may think of them majority of the time. 
So it's that sense of vulnerability that they, I mean, that's okay. And I feel like I missed a question. What was the other question? <laughs> no, I think you're going the right direction. Um, uh, and I would just actually like to comment on that. It's interesting that you say that because uh, mental health is such a diverse topic and field. And I feel like people only think of it in a severe sense. Like if you're going to therapy, there must be something wrong with you. Whereas it could very well be that, you know, I'm going to therapy to become more self-aware. I'm going to therapy to help identify behavioral pattern that I'm not able to see on my own. And somebody could, from the outside, somebody who doesn't know me, somebody who's, um, you know, a, a neutral person can, and can help me identify some of these behavioral pattern, which is stopping me from being my best selves, right? Which is, which again, it's crazy. We go to the gym, we go to the doctor, we, we take so many precautions on our physical health to be our best selves, quote unquote, but internally we could be drained. But, and, and that's what matters most. If you're not internally happy, if you don't, if you don't identify your toxic behaviors or uh, patterns that just aren't serving you and you still continue to go to the gym, go to the doctor, look your physical best, I don't think you're truly being your overall best because I, I personally, right, right, exactly. I personally feel that, you know, to be your true best, you truly have to be at a mental state where, where you're centered, where you're happy, where you're content. And I feel like a lot of those aren't baked into the daily practices that we grew up with right so it's it's interesting that you know when people think of mental health they they think of the most severe of cases they never think of hey it really could be a way to better myself you know just like going to the gym um if you have a trainer at the gym why can't you have a therapist that you speak to that that helps you identify a lot of those behaviors uh, early on which could help you live your best life so yeah most definitely so i think Absolutely. the yeah i'll quote something please oh, i'm sorry i'll quote something that my supervisor always says yes um, during my supervision sessions with her she says the truth will set you free wow every single time the truth will set you free and that can be applied to so many things so it, while you describing that you know going to the gym going to uh, the doctors for your regular checkups but then kind of not seeking that mental help or seeking that mental the, the, the extra support for that you're not being your authentic self you're not being true to yourself yeah that's that's powerful the truth will set you free it's powerful it's powerful also because there's so much we hold inside of our head right and we don't speak of it because either we think it's wrong for us to think a certain thing the way we were doing or that we we think we're fearful that if somebody else comes to find out they will judge us so i feel like there's so much that we're holding inside in our head and we don't we don't let it out but once we do once we're able to see it from other person's perspective or get some perspective on it it is liberating it is freeing right uh, we're not having to hold all of these thoughts inside of her head. And I, I almost always feel like things are worse in your head than they are in reality. Uh, well, those, those, that's due to intrusive thinking. And, and one of the best ways to combat 
intrusive thinking to counter question it. So if you're saying, well, I think, you know, what if I fall, for example, mm-hmm. do a, you know, give it a counter question and say, well, what if you don't? Right. You know, challenge okay. the negative thinking. Yeah. And it helps reframe that, that, that negative, that negative mindset. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. And again, again, like, you know, uh, having a therapist to a certain extent is like having a coach instead at the gym, you're going to their office, you know, it's a, it's a coach for the mind. Um, so, you know, with, with so much benefit of being around asking for help, um, and we, we, we now know where it's, uh, why it's so negatively stigmatized, but how do you think we can normalize talking about mental health, um, you know, as, as easy as we talk about physical health? You know that will will that would require you know some creativity in businesses you know HR departments of how they can introduce that you know perhaps perhaps providing workshops you know during like team meetings or um, I forget like those wellness days mm-hmm. you know when when everyone would gather and do things that are not related to work but just something to build like that team effort All right. Um, doing something along that line to introduce we're going to have some uh, mental health uh, speaker come in or you know a mental health professional come in and just to you know sit down with you introduce themselves see you know let give you some information on different types of what therapy is out there for the mental health you know having someone be like kind of like a spokesperson mm-hmm. perhaps that can be a, a, an outlet for businesses um i know for schools i know counselors are are doing their job in 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 advocating that you know if you're feeling a certain way please come into our office keeping that open door policy right um so there there are places that are being more open mm-hmm. to, 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 to formulating this, this new mindset of uh, right. being mindful of certain things, but it can, it can be, it can be, uh, it can be approached differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly there's, certainly there's uh, time that'll, that'll go into it. I don't think we're yet ready to be at that place as of as of now, uh, but yeah, I, I do appreciate a lot of the workplaces, including mine, that are uh, being very forward with mental health, and I'm and I'm hoping that you know people at work seeing this push will take it also into their homes. You know, it just I'm I'm hoping that you know if my manager or senior manager is seeing this push about mental health and they're um, they're uh, respecting that towards me. I really hope they take it home and then they put that same level of respect towards their children or their spouse, you know, in regards to mental health. And I'm hoping that, you know, this change in workplace can also help them as a, as a person in, in their family to sort of disperse this understanding of normalizing, you know, talking about mental health and... And it can also go into, you know, for those individuals that are struggling, that are kind of on the fence of seeking professional help, it doesn't hurt to ask questions. You right. Know, that's something that I've kind of advocated throughout the years. Um, 
doesn't hurt to ask questions, doesn't hurt to look on the internet and see what types of therapies are out there because there's so many different modalities that I can, that's a whole another session in itself. <laughs> but um, there's so much information that's available on the internet of giving you um, insight into what places can offer, you know? Yep. So you can gain more information because knowledge is power. Knowledge gives a sense of control, you know, especially when the individual may feel that things are out of their control or may feel overwhelmed because things are not in their favor. That's something that they can do. Knowledge is power. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And and I'm I'm hopeful that, you know, um, we're we're in a generation which is much more accepting of, you know, mental health uh topics and we're asking for help and i'm hoping that from this point on it only normalizes um maybe we've lost a little hope with the boomers but you know <laughs> with with us and forward I'm, i'm hopeful that uh mental health will become a topic as easy and as normal as physical health um so there's hope there's hope uh and and listen and as you know as days go on and the pandemic just extends by another day another week another month um and i mean i thought we would be out of this within like two months and seven months later we're still here uh with no vaccine in sight <laughs> so uh i'm i'm sure uh we'll 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 be in this situation for quite some times and it's become more and more apparent to me that self-care is so important uh, especially during this time um so would you be so kind to share with us your top five self-care practice you can we can do more than five if you have more than five but i'll leave it up to you <laughs> okay well um my number one and, and this is something that i do on occasion when needed and this is something i also recommend to all my clients journal whether it be informally, bullet points, anything, type something up, whatever. The act of putting your words, your thoughts, your feelings down on a piece of paper or typing it out um, gives you that opportunity to release what you're feeling inside and putting it onto something else. You know, there's that, there's that symbolic uh, releasing that, those words, those thoughts. Um, number two, listen to your favorite music. It sounds so cliche, but listen to your favorite music, you know, whether it be relaxation, meditation, playlist, or songs that bring back fond memories, you know, go back to those days, remember those days, and maybe, you know, uh, re- recount a fond memory that, that brought you so much joy. It makes you feel good. Um, number three, develop a new routine, because a lot of people that have been affected are very routine or you know oriented especially for the working class um so implementing a, a new morning or afternoon routine will be the most beneficial to those individuals um it gives them a sense of control in this in the world of uncertainty in the world where their control has been gone um it gives them that 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 tangible feeling of controlling something again um And then for, you know, for parents, you know, it can be an option that, you know, um, wait, I lost my train of thought on my notes, by the way. So. <laughs> It's fine. You were sounding just fine. I couldn't <laughs> even tell. So, okay. Okay. So what I was saying is, um, 
and developing that new routine, whether it be working families, parents, or even with children, because children, uh, children were impacted as well. Right. Because right? this home has become home has become school home has become recess home has become playtime home has become everything for the child so the child is just you know scattered as the parent right Mm -hmm. but showing it showing it differently right and not into words so giving that child a new sense of uh, routine and perhaps designating an area in the home that when they're in that area, that's school time. Mm-hmm. When they're in this other part of the room, that's break time or relaxation time. Um, that's a, that, that, those are some of the tips I've given to parents to, um, you know, give their children options to kind of differentiate their home. And that's also something that I extend to the parents as well. You know, designating an area in the home that's their work corner. And then once they leave that work corner, they're, they're clocking out of work. That's their way of telling themselves, okay, I'm done with work. So setting those boundaries in the home, it can take some time to readjust to it. Mm-hmm. But over time, it gets easier, you know, developing that new routine. Um, number four, keeping in touch with loved ones. Uh, I, I can't emphasize the importance of this, you know, having that, you know, reassuring that you still have that sense of support right. even though it's through distance mm-hmm. whether it be a friend a loved one a family whoever call facetime we're in the era of virtual worlds absolutely why not use them <laughs> we're using and, it right now <laughs> exactly and then number five remain creative right develop a skill whether that be looking into professional growth whether that be um looking into new cooking ideas to kind of, uh, you know, finalize your expertise on cooking or baking. Um, I know I did. Um, Wait, let me ask you this. Did you, did you bake a banana bread like everybody on Instagram? No, I, um, I, I, I bake a sugar-free desserts. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I had to do like my whole diet friendly desserts, but that's, but I love to cook. I'm a cooker. Um, but remaining creative, keeping mm-hmm. that, that creativity level up, you know, so that you're still, you have that sense of control, you still can have that creative outlet, you still have a way of expressing yourself differently, right? And you're also using it as an opportunity to bond with your family or, you know, um, bond over food with your loved one or whatever the case is. Right. No, I mean, absolutely. And I would actually like to go back to your point on, uh, you know, the routine. It's so funny you say that because I am someone who likes to separate work from life in general and having to work from home. I was never a big fan of working from home because I always felt like I couldn't separate work from home. Um, uh, and then I would either end up slacking and then working till later, but I mean, luckily time were the times at work were so busy that it didn't enable for that to happen. But I started working out of my kitchen. I have a whole setup and that for me is a way to separate myself from the living room and the bedroom. So at the end of the day, I, when I slam my laptop and I walk over to my living room, it feels like, okay, Syra, you're done. For the day now you know now you're home 
now you can do anything that's that separates you from work because initially when i had not done that i felt it, it everything just felt so jumbled like i felt like there was no um you know definition between work and home and as it is quarantined alone it was not the most ideal state and to have you know your work and home get integrated to the point where there was no difference it was driving me crazy until i was like okay i'm going to have to find a corner where i work and i associate that with work and the rest of the house as my home so it it really helped so definitely it i does. yeah that have you have you had to go go in to work per, uh in person or have you been working remotely uh well at the beginning of quarantine i was working at both of my jobs um at a private practice actually at two clinics and then at the school um so i was working virtually for everything mm. so i was i would be on the computer from 8am to 3 3 p.m teaching students assisting families and then from 4 p.m till 7 or 8 o'clock i was either on the phone doing telehealth or you know via video right. doing telehealth right right yeah no any of your videos are something i definitely look forward to generally they're nice they're so uh positive uh you know you've got bits and pieces of uh information that you share to enhance you know people's daily lives so definitely um but all right well catalina thank you so much for being on the podcast before we end the podcast any last words you're going to want to leave our listeners with um hmm that's a good one i would say with time things do get better and it's again I guess my theme of the day is cliche. It's We cliche. love cliche on this podcast. <laughs> But with time things do get better, you know. So taking everything one day at a time. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That is actually my life motto. I take everything one day at a time. So, well, Catalina, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I hope you enjoy the remainder of your day. Thank you so much. And there you have it folks, ways you can enhance your mental stability and happiness during the quarantine. Please feel free to follow us on Instagram at catalyzer_podcast. And if you want a daily dose of well-being tips to continuously enhance your mental health and lifestyle, please follow Catalina on Instagram at catalinaroca_lamft. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned.